Hi-ho, everybody out in Radio Land. This is Tom Cito, Disney animator, historian, and all-around wise guy. And you are listening to the Skull Rock Podcast. Hear Skull Rock Podcast on Spotify, Anchor FM, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and now Audible and Amazon Music. Alexa, play Skull Rock Podcast. Playing Skull Rock Podcast from Amazon Music. Podcast talking all things Disney with your hosts L. John Go and Dave Bossert. Welcome to Skull Rock Podcast. If this is your first time checking us out, welcome. Every week we talk all things Disney and pop culture with never before heard stories, behind the scenes moments from some of your favorite Disney films, theme park attractions, performances, books, and much, much more. I'm your co-host, musician, longtime Disney, Marvel, and Star Wars fan, Al John Go. You can email me, Aljon, A-L-J-O-N, at SkullRockPodcast.com. And I'm Dave Bostard. I'm an artist, a filmmaker, author, and welcome to the Skull Rock Podcast. If you love Disney, pop culture, please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And now we can be found on Amazon Music and Audible. Like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can also email me at Dave at SkullRockPodcast.com. Al John, happy Memorial Day to you. Happy Memorial Day. Today we salute the brave men and women who paid the ultimate sacrifice, including your brother. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Yes, Yes, sir. Uh, I always remember my brother uh, multiple times throughout the years, uh, but uh, especially on Memorial Day weekend. Man, he seems like such a cool dude. Yeah, you know, he he had an amazing career there and did he accomplished so much. You know, he had four master's degrees. Whoa, wow. Yeah, which is insane. Wow. You, know? you see, you guys, the, the Bossard family, you guys had all the brains there. I don't know. <laughs> a lot of brains. At least power. he at least he did. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thank you so much. And and once again, please have a great Memorial Day in remembrance of all those. And then Thank you so much for finding our show. You know, we're reaching more and more people every day, and we like to thank our listeners for checking us out. And today, we put it out there to ask Dave anything Disney-related. You know, we're not going to ask you about what what your favorite boxer shorts are, Dave, but we'll be talking about uh, some of your favorite projects and, and the like. So we, uh, we're taking the poll from the, the pulse of, of our listenership every week. I think it's great, you know, and we're, 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 you know, because it's a holiday weekend and I think this is going to be a trend for us at Skull Rock Podcast. Uh, when we have a holiday weekend, we're, we're going to uh, just chat between ourselves and not bring a guest on because we're being respectful of our guests who may be doing something mm-hmm. on a holiday weekend. Absolutely. Yes. And it gives us a, a chance to kind of jibber jaw a little bit and, uh, chit chat about yeah. what what what's what's going on what our hot takes are and and what the questions of the day are so we'll get to that for sure um any minute now but we do have you have some of this uh news stuff going on and i'm thinking to myself yeah news is great but news is only good on skull rock podcast if i can find this the sound effect Skull Rock Podcast, ripped from the headlines. It's Skull Rock Podcast headline news. Oh, Dave, you sent me this email and I I shed a tear. 
just a little bit. Disney plans to close 100 channels this year. According to CEO Bob Chapek, the announcement will shutter more than 100 international TV channels in 2021, including a virtual Q&A at J.P. Morgan Global Technology Communications Conference earlier this week. So uh, that is a lot. It is, but you know something I have to say, Al John, this is, you know, we mentioned this last week. This is the beginning of a consolidation that's taking place a consolidation of uh, all of these streaming services and cable networks and all of this stuff out there. And I think this is going to continue for the foreseeable future. It has to. Yeah, it says, uh, of course, in April, we talked about this. Disney announced that 18 linear channels in Southeast Asia and Hong Kong, including kids offerings, would cease to broadcast starting October 1st. And then uh, once again, JPEG said moving forward, Disney's focusing on great content-based powerhouse franchises for its streaming services. Also see an influx of new content within the next two to three years since the pandemic slowed production significantly last year. So um, there you go. Bob JPEG is known to, uh, to to be the guy that kind of uh, streamline everything, he, really he, cut he expenses. Yeah, he, he absolutely is. But you know something? This is a natural evolution of uh, the company and the consolidation that's going on across the entertainment industry. I mean, look, this this past week, uh, uh, Amazon announced the purchase of MGM. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we right? didn't even. Yeah, I mean, that's huge. Yeah. It's huge because they have, you know, uh, some incredible franchises that they plan on reimagining and extending. Uh, they also have a very, very deep library, which is going to add to uh, Amazon Prime, uh, their streaming service. So they're they're bulking up. And I think that you're going to see uh, more tie-ups happening. Uh, you know, there's rumblings that uh, Universal NBC or Comcast NBC, whatever they call themselves now, uh, with their Peacock network, they may be uh, looking at uh, uh, possibly combining with Lionsgate. Um, wow. You know, I, I read that. Uh, and who knows what's going to happen with uh, CBS Viacom and their Paramount Plus channel. Yeah, who knows? I mean, and my understanding is that uh, Warner Brothers is even looking to sell off uh, DC Comics. I think we we even got into that a little bit last week that uh, they wouldn't mind Disney taking DC Comics off their hands. And I can't imagine what that would even look like. That You know, that that's kind of crazy, I think. Yeah. I mean, why, why would they do that? They, they just need to get a really good Kevin Feige type of person to helm DC Comics and build that into the franchise it deserves. It deserves. Yeah, you know, uh, and the talent is there. And there's even talk about Zack Snyder coming over from Warner Brothers DC and going to do stuff for Marvel, which, you know, <laughs> which is great. But, wow, you know, I, I can only imagine here in the next five, five years that there will only be a handful of these global entertainment juggernaut companies and everything from telecommunications to your internet service provider will all be wrapped up in, in a handful of companies. So, Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And in the midst of all of this stuff, Al John, uh, Sony Entertainment, Sony Studios came out and said, hey, we're staying independent. They made it really clear that they're wow. not for sale. Uh, but that's going to be interesting to see how that uh, evolves. I think so because there, it wasn't it wasn't long, um, maybe a couple of years ago, that Sony 
who's actually thinking about breaking its entertainment offerings up from you know their PlayStation video game group all the way to you, their movie divisions and things like that, that they were open to have people buy them out. It's yeah. seemingly, I yeah. mean, there's only maybe three, three, four years ago. So mm. interesting how the tide well, has changed. My question to you, Dave, now is that now that Amazon is, is making the move to purchase MGM uh, assets, it, other than James Bond, is there a particular franchise that you could see kind of developing? Because I have a couple. Well, know? I mean, you know, they certainly have uh, the Terminator franchise. They have the Rocky franchise. Uh, and then there's been a really great extension off of Rocky with the Creed films. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, you've got, uh, you know, uh, MGM also owns uh, Shark Tank, uh, The Hands Ma- Handmaid's Tale. Mm-hmm. Um, they are, I, I mean, there's there's so many different uh, franchises that they have there uh, that they can do stuff with. And yeah. so, you know, I, and by the way, I think I think the last Terminator movie was a bit underrated. I really enjoyed it. And, really? and they, you know, they had uh, they had uh, Arnold uh, Arnold's character, the Terminator character uh, running a uh, a window covering shop. And his and he was under the name Carl, and he was always talking about window c- coverings and dealing with clients, and it was hysterical. And I thought, you know, you could absolutely do some sort of an extension off of that. I'd love to see more of that. I have to tell you, I was yeah. laughing out loud <laughs> wait, in the wait, movie theater when wait, I saw that. So you want to see them bring back Arnold Schwarzenegger to run a window covering shop? Yeah, <laughs> as a, as absolutely. A as the Terminator. As a Terminator. You know? Okay. All right. All right. I like that. You know what I'm thinking is like I'm a big fan of the Paul Verhoeven uh, type film so I'm 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 looking to see them do a RoboCop series actually yeah um, based on the original you know RoboCop you know I buy that for a dollar <laughs> you yeah. know that kind of crazy stuff but um yeah I mean I I, I can't wait to see what happens just as a, a fan of the franchise but I can see them totally doing a, a RoboCop TV show I think that'd be great um speaking you know, of, look they, yeah. they 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 have a deep library so it's going to be fantastic to see what they do with it right on well talking about uh opening back up uh like the entertainment business the uh disney disney's gonna get their florida theme parks full fully operational um it says it says uh what is it by uh the year's end so i think we all saw that happening but uh i wonder what it's gonna be like for disney do you expect that maybe by the year's end disneyland will be back up in full force yeah, I absolutely believe that. You know, uh, as of June 15th, um, this this coming June 15th, the state of California is going to reopen uh, fully. And so I expect to see Disneyland ramp up capacity uh, over the coming months uh, uh, until their full swing. And by the way, I, I, I just this past week booked uh, a gig uh, for one of my books uh, for December Ooh. down at Disneyland. So I'm I'm thrilled. Nice. Well, I'm looking forward to it as well, and I'm sure the cast members are looking forward to all of them. You know, getting back to work and, and having the fully operational parks um, as well over land. So we can't wait for that to happen. Another thing we can't wait for is one of the summer blockbuster franchises. Emily Blunt and Dwayne The Rock Johnson is uh, doing this magnificent Jungle Cruise, and it looks re- yeah, it looks great. Oh, look at that! There's explosions. It's like 
Disney meets um uh oh what is it uh what's the king of explosions there um well you know what it is to me though it's it it, it, it's the jungle cruise meets indiana jones yeah jungle cruise meets indiana jones uh with uh jerry bruckheimer style explosions right yeah there you (laughs) go jerry bruckheimer right he's like the king of explosions but it's um, really a terrific trailer i i i really love the trailer and i'm looking forward to seeing this film on the big screen you know what i love so much about this is the fact that it looks so authentic to the ride. You know, I look, I look at the little ship and I'm thinking to myself, that looks so cool, you know, that they're able to, that they're doing it like that. I mean, it's very, very Disney like. And, and so, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And I feel like, you know, we've waited years for this film. Seemingly. I remember it being announced D 23 and you know, here we go. Like six years later, seemingly here it is finally, but, uh, but I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Speaking of Disney films, uh, did you happen to see um, Cruella? No, I have not seen it because I know that it opened Friday in theaters and on Disney Plus, but I'm not going to see those movies on Disney Plus. I'm not. I I want to see them on a big screen. So I will tell you, Al John, that I am going to go see Cruella on the big screen. But the first movie in over a year that I'm going to see. This afternoon is a quiet place too. Wow! On on an IMAX screen. Wow. Well, that'll be um, that'll be um, that'll be. Um, I'm excited to go back to the movies as well. But I know that the Emmas uh, are doing great great work there. The Emmas uh, for I- Cruella. So uh, and the 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 reviews have been very positive. I mean, I, yeah. I, well, you know, I I I I have no doubt that it's going to be a good film. I mean, just based on the trailers, and we talked about this when I first saw the trailer. Um, you know, it, it kind of reminded me a little bit of Harley Quinn uh, over at uh, DC, uh, in that they're they're making her into this standalone villainous character uh, that uh, is going to be a franchise. I think. Absolutely. Well, it is a, actually it is a franchise. They they you know they they've already made a number of Cruella Deville films over the years. <laughs> yeah. So 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 now they're updating it with 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 a new actress. Absolutely. Well, I'm I, I can't wait to hear your review of A Quiet Place Two as you cruise into the movie theaters later today, and we go from of course the Jungle Cruise to the Love Boat Cruise. Yes. Good. Uh, we'll begin with two bottles of Vendicchio, please. <laughs> well, I hope that you're all taking advantage of our wonderful facilities. There's something for everybody on board. Is there a guillotine? Uh, I, I That is one of the funniest scenes from Love Boat, and you had there uh, Mr. Brady talking to the captain of the Love Boat, Gavin McLeod. You sent me this tidbit. Gavin McLeod of the Love Boat and the Mary Tyler Moore Show dies at the age of 90 and wow i mean he was a part of my childhood i used to love watching the love boat on abc back to back with fantasy island just growing up yeah absolutely and and by the way gavin mcleod i mean talk about an actor who has been in so many different shows uh i loved him in kelly's heroes yeah. Uh, which was a great World War II movie. Uh, and also in McHale's Navy, um, he he was one of the crew of um, uh, of the uh, the boat, uh, the PT boat in McHale's Navy uh, with Ernest Borgnine at, at the helm. 
man. Those I mean, two. that that was really a great cast, by the way. Ernest Borgnine, right? And then you had um, uh, Gavin McLeod. You also had um, uh, Tim uh, from. Uh, Oh gosh, Tim Conway. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, you know, who 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 played sort of a bumbling officer. I I mean it was just it was a fabulous show a show. It really was. Yeah, that's that's back in the day when writers actually used to write archetypes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. You always had the ensemble yeah. cast with the archetypes. No, but this is right. I mean, you know, he, he was definitely a part of the sitcom a zeitgeist. He was definitely there and he's been on so many different projects, Operation Petticoat. Uh, yeah. Was one uh, you mentioned, uh, you know Kelly's Heroes, but I think even Hawaii Five O. But I think the, and Mary Tyler Moore. How can we not forget the Mary Tyler Moore show? Um, but once again, it's just a it's sad to see someone in popular culture like that um, just a titan in my eyes, Gavin McLeod, because he was the captain, and every every week's the guy that was making people happy and putting that smile on the uh, the small screen every single week. Yeah, and you know something, I have to say. He was 90. What a great life. Absolutely. He had, he had a really full life and, you know, Godspeed to him. Absolutely. And we also had a Titan pass this week. Bill, I've got an urgent message from the Sea King. The Sea King? He wants to see you right away. Uh, something about Ariel. <gasps> he knows. <laughs> oh, yeah. So there we are. Samuel E. Wright, Voice of Sebastian. Passes away at 74. And that's young. I have to say, 74 to me is young these days. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, well, once again, uh, the South Carolina native also played Dizzy Gillespie and Clint Eastwood's Bird and a bunch of grapes in underwear commercials. <laughs> so he was one of those. Yeah. He was one of the, I know this is from the Hollywood Reporter. So he, you know, he's a Fruit of Loom guy. Right? Oh, my gosh. He's a Fruit of Loom guy. I mean, of all the p- things he could have put as a as like the sub headline for this, he also played a bunch of grapes, <laughs> like a bunch of grapes. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And it's like, oh, he's a Fruit of Loom guy. But, but no, he's but definitely. Really, you know something? He, he he was the perfect voice for Sebastian and uh, they kind of, you know, Sebastian almost looks a little bit like caricature of him. Uh, you know, I was struck by that when I saw a picture of Sam Samuel, Wright. A- absolutely. Definitely. And yeah. I, I love how I, you know, and I say you all, because, you know, you've worked on uh, a lot of those movies is that you draw your inspirations from the voice actors that actually sure. did that, which is <laughs> just so cool, you know, but he'll forever be in our hearts with the, that loving, uh, that loving voice. He's just, just yeah, great. He, yeah. He'll, he'll live on in infamy as the Sebastian, the crab character Sebastian in the, the little mermaid. Yes, absolutely. I think uh, that we've got some, I don't know if you have any other news, Dave, but uh, we do have some ask Dave anything. So if you want to, yeah, no, let's, uh, I, I think it's time for our guest. Absolutely. That would be you, right? <laughs> right? Rock Podcast. Answers your email. Oh, Dave. So we have Ask Dave Anything. And, um, you know, we asked our, our audience to descend in some questions, if you will. And we have one for you. So here's uh, Austin. He says, hi, Dave. Can you give us an idea of a book project you want to work on? Thanks. Ah, you know, that's, uh, you know, I have a whole list of book projects and that's kind of the way I work. Um, I have uh, for years now, um, I tend to uh, every summer and and I've done this every year for like the past 30 years. um, I go up to Maine 
every summer. And obviously 2020, I did not go uh, up there. Um, I didn't travel and I missed that, that time greatly. But I go up by myself to the coast of Maine uh, and I usually sit uh, in a little area. I, I don't want to call it a meadow, but it's kind of an open space right on the water. Uh, and, and I just tend to read a book. Uh, I have a notebook with me. I tend to stare out at the water for hours on end <laughs> thinking. And um, I literally, when I started uh, writing the, my first book back in 2013 uh, on Roy E. Disney, um, actually 2012, I was writing that book. It was published in 2013. Um, but I, I actually sat, uh, up in Maine, uh, and, and wrote out a list of books that I wanted to work on. And I have slowly been crossing off those books off of my list. Uh, and so when you ask, do I have, a, can, can I give you guys an idea of a book project that I want to work on? Uh, I don't want to tip my hand uh, to some of the upcoming books, uh, but uh -huh. I will tell you one of the books that I've worked on for the last couple of years, which is coming out, and we'll we'll talk about this maybe later. But the uh, the Claude Coates book that was uh, a book that I really uh, enjoyed working on because I knew Claude Coates. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so I'll just say that I have a whole list of books that are going to be coming out between now and 2026. <laughs> what, uh, what a year. <laughs> Every year, nice. every year there's a book coming out. That's nice. uh, and and uh, so I'm excited about it. I mean, that that's, you know, I, I sit here and I go from one book project to the next book project. That's my job. Well, there you go, Austin. I hope you <laughs> like that kind of ambiguous answer, but uh, we'll, we'll dive most in, into that. You know, Dave, Dave's, Dave's a man of uh, shrouded in mystery. So we'll, uh, we'll have to uncover that as time goes on. Andrea asks... I've got a question for Dave. What is your favorite project that you've worked on? And that could, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> I mean, film, well, you know, attraction, <laughs> book. You know, I get to, I get asked this question on somewhat of a regular basis, Al John. And I have to say, and this is what I always say to people is that, you know, when you ask me what my favorite project is, that is like asking me who my favorite child is. <laughs> right, right. Right. And the reality is you can't have a favorite child. All your children are your favorites. That's right. Uh, and so for me, I that's how I answer that question, because every project I've worked on, I've loved working on. Mm -hmm. uh, there are some projects I've enjoyed more than others just because of a variety of uh, situations. Uh, and and that leads me to always say that one of the projects that's very memorable to me. OK, that's good. Is who, is who framed Roger Rabbit, uh. because I got to work on that in London and I got to work on that picture with a really talented international crew. Um, and it was it was artists really from all over the world that came together and we worked in an old electrical parts factory in Camden Town, London. And I have just such great memories of that. And some of that we've talked about when we had Max Howard on the show and, and some other folks on the show. So, you know, for me, 
I, I don't necessarily have an, a favorite, but I have a memorable one. And, and Who Framed Roger Rabbit is one of those memorable films that I worked on. It seems to me that when you all worked there, you know, for the length of time you did, it, it was kind of like kind of like a summer camp, was it not? I mean, I feel that from from your your discussions with our guests and your the friends that you've brought onto the show that all of you guys were family, you were a band of brothers and sisters working together on this project, almost like a summer camp, you know, like here comes the here comes the kids walking through the door. Yeah. Every day. Well, you know something, I think every film is like that, you know, because yeah. you, you come together as a team of artists and you work together on these pictures. And at the end of the picture, you kind of disband and, you know, some of you will go on and work on the next picture together, but others that you were working on might not work on that picture. They may skip that and start developing the next one, you know, so, so each, each, project has its own personality and its own uh, um, group of artists that are working together. And that to me is always the great part about working on these films is that you've got hundreds of hundreds of artists that come together and we all have a lot of fun working on these uh, work, working on those movies. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, Melanie is asking this, Dave, what was your favorite part about being an animator? Hmm. You know, Honestly, the first thing that popped into my head just now when you asked that question was all the people I worked with. Oh, and, okay. and, and, and that's really what was what was always the favorite part for me was that there was a certain amount of solitude to sitting in your office and drawing all day. But it was also about those moments when you took a break and got a cup of tea and, you know, you, you hung out with uh, some people at the quote water cooler, mm. uh, you know, shooting the breeze and, uh, and chatting it up and having some fun. And, you know, back in the early part of my career, you know, it was, it wasn't uncommon for, for several artists to get together and pull a prank on somebody. And there was always always a lot of fun and uh, hijinks going on. And so that to me, it was the camaraderie of a group of artists that were creating something together. It was a different time, you know, but I think that that sounds just, you guys had so much fun and guys and gals had a lot of fun um, together. Yeah. Just a really great family. Seemingly. It, it really is, you know, and, and you know, the, the industry is not that big. So you get to know a lot of people over a period of decades and they're all working all over town, you know, and you run into people here and there and you catch up with them and, you know, it is, it is a big family. Nice. So, you know, for me, that, that was always the favorite part about being an animator was actually working with other art animation artists. That's awesome. One of our favorite fans here, Spencer, writes, what were some of your backstage experiences at Animal Kingdom when working on the True Life Adventure DVD release? Were you permitted to interact with any of the animals? Oh, that's Spencer. That's a great question. I have some incredibly fond memories of that particular project because... You know, I'm I'm going to tell a little bit of a story here, uh, Al John, if you don't mind. Of course. Because, uh, you know, when Roy Disney, uh, Roy Disney had had sort of a a, a deteriorating um, relationship with Michael Eisner towards the end of Michael's uh, 
uh, run at the company. And, uh, and Roy actually left and started the Save Disney campaign. Um, All and, in the book, yeah. Yeah, and, but when Roy when Roy came back to the company after Michael left and and Iger became the CEO, one of the first things Roy did was he called me and said, "We've got to put the True, True Life Adventures out on DVD." Nice. And uh, and so you know, I felt honored that he called me to to talk to me about it because he wanted me to help him do it. You know, and so I was I, I was part of that group that helped to uh, get those. And, you know, it was kind of interesting um, when we uh, were working on that project initially, uh, you know, there's budgets for everything, regardless of who's involved, there's budgets. And home entertainment uh, uh, was, you know, they, they really ran a tight ship as far as their budgets go. And, and by the way, Bob Chapek was running home entertainment back in those days. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you know, uh-huh. uh, but, yeah. but, but the idea was that, uh, you know, we would film Roy doing the introductions to the true life adventure DVD series, uh, in different parts of Walt Disney, Walt Disney World's Animal Kingdom. I mean, that just seemed like a natural, like, you know, no brainer, right? But the folks at Home Entertainment came and said, Dave, we do not have the budget to fly everybody down to Orlando to do that kind of a shoot. Right. And so the fallback was going to be, well, all right, well, we could shoot around Southern California. We can go up to the mountains and shoot Roy in the mountains. We can go to the desert. We can go out to the beach. Right. So there's different locations that you could have gone with Roy. uh, But it seemed like it was going to be a really missed opportunity. So I, I actually was the person that had to call Roy and say they don't have the budget for us to do it in Florida at the animal kingdom. Wow. And, and, you know, he, he was disappointed. I mean, you know, we, we talked a little bit, but he was really disappointed by it, but he understood, you know, right. Uh, he understood the financial aspect of it. So that I had that conversation with him on an, uh, one afternoon, the next morning, my phone rings and it's Roy. And he says to me, would we be able to do it in Florida if I flew everybody down on my plane? Uh-huh. And I said, I would think so. I don't know. He said, if they're willing to, to cover, you know, the hotels and meals, um, would, would you, you know, would, would they be okay with this? So I went back to home entertainment and I proposed this. I said, you know, Roy, Roy is willing to fly everybody down on his plane. And by the way, you know, the guy had his own 737 at that point. No kidding. Yes. You know, I mean, he was a down to earth guy, but he had a 737. You know, it's <laughs> like your buddy saying, hey, I'm going to swing by with the old station wagon and pick everybody up and I'll drive. <laughs> <Yeah>. You know, <laughs> but, but in this case, the station wagon literally is a, you know, 737. 737. Right. My dad designed so, those, by the way. 
<laughs> so, so yeah. So what well, you know? So what happens was uh, that he. Um, uh, so I said, I said to Home Entertainment, I you know to the executive I was dealing with, I said, well, you know, Roy's willing to fly us all down there. Uh, would would you guys be able to cover the hotels and the food? So the, he says, all right, let me get back to you. So he comes back and he says, he says, okay. We're gonna have we're we're gonna get the hotel rooms covered, but they'll only cover Roy's meals. And I'm sitting there going, You gotta oh, be no. kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. So what I did was I called Roy back. I said, Roy, they're willing to do this. They're gonna cover uh all the hotel rooms, but they said they'll only cover your meals. So can you just cover all of our meals? Because when we all go out to dinner and you are with us, you're gonna say, Hey, you know, let, let's cover everybody's meals. And then somebody's gonna pick up the tab on that. And he just started <laughs> laughing and he says, Absolutely, I can do that. That's so. <laughs> hilarious. I love it. Let's put it on the expense account. Let's yeah, do it. Exactly. So so that's how that whole that whole thing came together. And then when we were down in Orlando doing the shoots, you know, we had special access to certain areas that the guests can't go to. But to Spencer's question, we did not interact with any animals directly. I see. No, they, they don't allow that. And, you know, the animal kingdom is really a conservation operation, and they really they really take care of those animals really well. I mean, we, we were able to go in a special van into the Serengeti part where the right. wild animals are roaming around and stuff like that. And that was kind of cool because we weren't on the normal guest, um, uh, uh, ride vehicles that they yeah. take out, you know, those big buses. Right. But, I have to tell you, it, it was always really special going down to Orlando with Roy. Anytime I was down there with him, we'd always go over to the Animal Kingdom. Even if it was just like, you know, two or three of us, we'd go over there. And I, I have just the most amazing memories and experiences that I had with him down there because, you know, we were in an exam room uh, where uh, a animal dentist was removing a rotten molar from a silverback gorilla. Whoa. Like, like we were standing next to the silverback gorilla while they were working on him. You That's know? amazing. And, you know, obviously he was knocked out. Um, and, and the same with uh, a cheetah. Uh, we were down there one time where they were doing the annual exam on the cheetah. And, you know, again, the cheetah was asleep on the table and the, they were doing all their tests and whatnot on him. Uh, it, it was just really incredible uh, going down to the animal kingdom. But I, I, we had such a great time working on those True Life Adventures uh, openers uh, with Roy. Uh, it was just amazing. Well, I'm glad you did. And it's great to hear how that all came about because it's always great to have that Disney DNA in involvement in, in the projects, especially something as dear to uh, Roy as the animal kingdom. So. That's uh, that's amazing. And I encourage everyone to get out there and check out Dave's book and uh, check out at Old Mill Press. It's uh, Remembering Roy E. Disney, just an amazing book about a very turbulent time in the Disney company. And uh, it's definitely I, I, I recommend it to everybody because it's such a great, great read and it's an easy read, too. 
Yeah, it's a, it's available on Amazon.com and Barnes and Noble and Books a Million and at your favorite local bookstore. <laughs> Wherever you can find order your books. it, they can order it. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Just trying to get everybody covered here. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's amazing. Great stuff there. Um, Melody asks, are there any hidden or obscure Disney characters left to unearth? And I think she she's trying to reference one of your books because. Um, uh, once again, you know, everybody digs the books, you know, your Oswald, the lucky rabbit and the, the search for the lost cartoons. Right. So do you think there's anything left to unearth? Is there more excavation that needs to happen? Yeah. You know, look, there, there are still uh, several lost Oswald cartoons. I'm still regularly out there looking and asking and searching for those missing cartoons. There's also some missing Alice uh, comedies, uh, from from the you know that that predate Oswald, uh, the, there's some missing films out there that I personally would love to find and, uh, and and be able to to share those because you know they haven't been seen in you know 70, 80 years or whatever it is. Yeah. So um, yeah, so that that's probably it. There aren't any specific characters that I can think of that are quote lost or you know I mean Disney. Um, you know, the Disney canon of animation, there's, there's so many characters, it's, it's insane. And, you know, from all of these, uh, you know, 50 plus animated feature films and, you know, and there's some great secondary characters that I don't think that they've done enough with that, that I think that they can do more with, um, you know, characters like Pumbaa and Timon from the Lion King oh, yeah. or, or, or Frank the Lizard from uh, Rescuers Down Under or, sure. you know, there, there's so many terrific characters um, and, uh, and, and, it, and part of the, Part of the thing that bugs me a little bit is that oftentimes they're, they're just, there's people at the company that just go for the low hanging fruit, you know? So when you go into a gallery at Disneyland or Disney world, you kind of see the same images over and over again. This is true. You know? This is true. And, and, yeah. and, and, it, and it, it, it kind of is flat for me, you know, because they're not digging, they're not working hard enough at pulling out stuff people haven't seen before. Honestly, I, I feel the same way you do. And I think that it's long overdue that, you know, like I love the Aristocats. You know, my wife, Kristen, and I, we love cats and rescued cats. And we love the Aristocats. And I think that they would do great to do just a Disney Junior series based on just the cats. You know, yeah, I mean, you know, there's Puppy yeah. Pound and all this other stuff going on. Why, why don't we just have a series about cats and just make those the, those things happen, you know? So, yeah, absolutely. I think that's great. But I, I, I hope that one day somewhere out there, maybe one of our listeners will go into their attic and find a treasure trove of some old classic films and be like, what do we have here? And then maybe find the rest of those Alice things just buried stairs somewhere <laughs> yeah you know i i'm convinced that they'll turn up it, it just requires you know the legwork and the persistence i mean you know before i left the company i you know we found uh you know like five and a half of the missing films you know, so or six, six of the missing films. And, and, and again, you know, we, we found the ones that were easy to find. And so the rest that are still missing are a little bit more difficult. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of the wifey, Kristen's asking you, Dave, where would you stay in Walt Disney World Resort? <laughs> 
Uh, this is an easy question for me. Okay. Because, because my favorite resorts, uh, and usually where I stay when I go to Walt Disney World, is the uh, Beach Club, Yacht Club, and Boardwalk. <laughs> uh-huh. the, those three hotels. Uh-huh. Uh, I just love staying there. And of the three, uh, my favorite probably, is, and the one that I've stayed at the most is probably the boardwalk and only because they have a boardwalk where there's shops and restaurants. And of course, I'll John, one of my favorite restaurants down there is the flying fish, which That's is right. at the boardwalk, uh, resort. And so I love staying at those because they just, they're comfortable and they're really well designed. I mean, I love the yacht club. I, you know, the, there's a couple of great restaurants there. I love the beach club It's a little more casual. Um, you know, the, the models, uh, the model ships that are under glass in the lobby of the yacht club. Yes. Um, they went and uh, there was a shop up in Boston, Massachusetts, that specialized in those antique ship models that are under glass, uh, in glass cases and all of that. Um, they went up and cleaned them out uh, uh, for the Yacht Club uh, yeah. and, and bought a whole bunch of those uh, to put on display in the lobby. I just, you know, I just love that that resort complex. Yeah, I mean, it's just isn't it reminiscent of uh, some of the stuff you guys had in New Jersey, like going down to the uh, Atlantic city or anything like that? I mean, well, you know, I, I wouldn't say necessarily New Jersey. I would say more new England, New England, you know, yes, like, new England. like the beach and yacht clubs, you know, have that vibe to them uh, yes. uh, for me, you know? Yes. Um, but, and, and the boardwalk would be, yes, you know, sort of Atlantic city or Coney Island yes. or Rehoboth beach or, you know, any of those, places that had a, a wooden boardwalk along the ocean. Uh, so, you know, those, those are really beautiful places. Now I will add to this and say that they've opened up a Dolly influenced, um, uh, Destino like, uh, resort down there, a new hotel that I have not been to yet, but I'd like to visit that at some point. Yeah. So Kristen's been there, uh, she was and? invited. It, she absolutely loved it. I mean, it's part of the, um, I think it's part of Coronado Springs. So, okay. um, yes. And I, the name escapes me right now. Uh, or is it Destino Tower? Yes. I think that's yeah, what the they Destino call it. Tower. Destino yeah, Tower. Yeah. yeah. So she went down there and, and did its grand opening event. And she said, it's just marvelous. But once again, we're, Chris and I are big fans of Coronado Springs. It's where we spent our honeymoon at uh-huh. uh, years and years ago. And, we just absolutely love that place. But to your point, you know, we, she also loves the the beach club as well for that, for that reason, just because there's so much really cool stuff to do. You just walk out of your room and then you're here on the boardwalk and you can go walk down anywhere have yourself an ice cream and then get a margarita, do whatever you need to do and just have a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and by the way, you know, I, I sit there and say, I really like those because I've stayed there a lot and I know them very well, but there's other resorts I've stayed at. I mean, I've been down to Walt Disney world. I mean, I can't even tell you how many times I've been down to Walt Disney world, but I've stayed at Coronado Springs, which is beautiful. And I've stayed at, uh, some of the other, uh, resorts, including, um, uh, the art of animation resort. Uh, and in fact, I have a set of chairs that I helped to, to help to design, 
that are in the Lion King hotel area, the Lion King themed hotel area at the Art of Animation. So, um, you know, there's a lot of different properties down there that are just absolutely beautiful. You know, I've stayed at the Floridian and I've stayed at the Contemporary and I've stayed at the Polynesian and I've, you know, it's like I've stayed at so many different places (laughs) down there. It's, it's crazy. I've stayed in apartments all, you know, on the property that, you know, I mean, yeah. it's like, <laughs> yeah, you've, you've been everywhere. You know, you know what we need to do, Dave, though, one place I haven't been and stayed at, but I've, I've visited the resort a lot was the four seasons. So I think we need yeah. to, uh, yeah, you know, team four seasons, we've got your number. Uh, maybe when, when we're all happy and ready to go, we'll just do a, a meet and greet over there at the four seasons and, and hang out have some ice cream and gelato and then, uh, go to Ravello for some uh, great Italian food, but that's what we need to do, Dave. So four seasons, you're out there. We'll go stay at the four seasons. (laughs) Seasons. Absolutely. I I, I think it'd be fantastic, you know? Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, look, I mean, there's so many different places to go at Walt Disney World down in Orlando. It's, uh, it, it really is amazing. But one of the things about the Boardwalk Yacht and Beach Club Resort area is that you can walk to, um, uh, the uh, Epcot, yes, uh, uh, resort, uh, uh, the, the <laughs> resort. The, they, but you can the, walk right to Epcot uh, from those uh, hotels. Yeah, I think you just walk right into the International Gateway, right? You just walk yeah. right there into the World mm-hmm. Showcase, and bam, there you yeah. are. But all, you know, and the ferry rides too are also fun. You know, so yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, um, John is asking. You know, we ask, we ask. Every week uh, when your friends come on the show, we discuss how they got into animation. What got you into animation, Dave? Well, you know, I think like a lot of my guests, you know, I grew up drawing and, you know, I had a, I had a great high school art teacher who was very encouraging for me. Um, and, you know, I was a fan of animation. Uh, I actually, when I got out of high school, I went into an advertising art program at a local college in New York. And so I was, I was actually training to go into advertising and I took a TV, a TV graphics class one semester. And it was really the first time I created my own piece of animation. You know, I had done some stop motion stuff when I was in high school and things like that. But, but this was really the first time I created like some 2d animation, if you will. And, uh, right around that time, uh, somebody gave me an article from the New York times and uh, uh, it talked about uh, Cal Arts out in California training artists for the Disney Studios. And so I sent my portfolio out and I got accepted, which was really fantastic. I mean, because it's they only accept 30 students a year into that program, into the character animation program at Cal Arts. And I also got a scholarship. Uh, so I drove cross country to go to Cal Arts. And that's really how I got involved with it. And, you know, and I, while I was at Cal Arts, I always had my sights set on going back to New York and getting into advertising, doing animated commercials and things like that. But, um, you know, when I got out of Cal Arts, I got a, a job right away. I worked for Don Bluth Studios yeah. for, for about eight months uh, working on Dragon's Lair and Space Ace. My favorite and video games. There, there you go. 
And, so and, good. and then and then I got uh, hired um, at Disney uh, to work on the Black Cauldron. And so that's really how I got into animation. And uh, really for the first, I think, five pictures that I worked on at Disney, I kept telling people, oh, I'm just going to finish this picture and then I'll get laid off and I'll go back to New York and I'll do advertising. And I think after like the fifth picture, I realized eh, I'm probably not going back to New York to do advertising. <laughs> and your life was forever yeah. changed. <laughs> Yeah. So, so that's really how I got into it. But I have to say, one of the common denominators uh, with a lot of people is that, you know, they, there was some art uh, teacher, uh, some instructor that, you know, a lot of uh, artists had in their formative years um, that encouraged them and pointed them in a direction that got them going. And so, I, you know, in, in a sense, I hope that having the guests that we do have on to the Skull Rock podcast, I hope that provides some inspiration to that next generation of artists that are coming up uh, and forming. Absolutely. Oh, man, we could get into your career forever because I still want to talk about Ren and Stimpy and Spider-Man and the different things you worked on, um, especially uh, the clerks, because you know how much of a a fan I am of uh, Kevin Smith. Yeah. So I'd love love to delve into that sometime. But uh, how about this? Now, I think this is something we alluded to earlier is your books. So Lydia is asking, is a Nightmare Before Christmas book coming out this year? Well, that's a good question. So, Al John, um, I wrote this book in 2018. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it was supposed to come out in June of 2019. Now, they pushed it to June 2020 because they were trying to get some of Tim Burton's uh, there were some books that on, on Tim's Dumbo movie, which I, I liked that movie very much, but they had some books that they had to get out. And Tim has his own designer that he works with. And so they put, they put my nightmare book on the back burner to get those Dumbo books out. So we skipped 2019, but they said, Oh, it'll come out in 2020. So then when 2020 came, uh, we were in the midst of a pandemic. Uh, they had furloughed a lot of people from uh, the uh, Disney publishing group uh, during the pandemic. So then I was told that the book was going to come out in June of 2021. Uh, well, obviously, I don't think anybody anticipated that the uh, pandemic was going to drag on for more than a year. Uh, so it's not coming out in June, uh, which is you know, Tuesday is June 1st, you know, <laughs> right. tomorrow. Right. right. So, uh, so your guess is as good as mine. Maybe it'll come out in 2022. Oh. I don't know. Honestly, I'm so proud of that book too, because I got to interview so many of the artists that worked on it, including obviously Tim Burton and Henry Selleck, who directed it, but, you know, uh, Eric Layton, who is the uh, supervising animator. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, so many different people I interviewed on it, and I put together this book. And by the way, there's tributes in the book to people like... Um, Joe Ramft, uh, who uh, was the great story artist and the, the great story mind really behind Pixar's early years. 
uh, and um, also uh, Kelly Asbury. Uh, his name came up when we had Rob Minkoff on uh, as a as a guest a couple weeks ago. Uh, Kelly passed away last year during the pandemic of cancer. Uh, and, uh, there was also, uh, John Barry, uh, who, uh, was, uh, really an incredibly talented, um, uh, uh, stop motion animator, uh, who passed away a couple of years after, um, Nightmare Before Christmas, uh, you know, was completed. And, you know, so there, there's sidebar tributes to some of these people. There's, there's a lot of great, backstory to how that movie got made and honestly I you know it's beyond me I you know I have my suspicions at this point because it's dragged on for so long because I I think this book will will be torn off the shelves uh I think there's there's people out there that are just chomping at the bit for for this book but you know something as with uh, a lot of big companies, you know, there's there's stuff going on behind the scenes. And, you know, there's a shadow CEO at the Walt Disney Company. A lot of people may not know this. Uh-huh. And, 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 and that person has been doing some stuff behind the scenes that is not, you know, based on what's good for the business. It's It's more based on, you know, personal, personal vendettas or whatever. Uh, and you know, I, I just sit there and, and throw my hands up and go, I, I hope, I hope the book comes out soon because there's, there's a lot of good material in there and I think the fans are going to love it. Uh, but you know, again, there's, you know, the shadow CEO that's, you know, are, you know, terrorizing people at the company and, and dictating what gets done and what doesn't get done and things like that. I see. So it's just a matter of prioritization from the shadow CEO. It's just not a priority. I, I guess. I don't know. You know, I mean, honestly, it's a book, you know, yeah. put it out there, you know, but yeah, because the fans what, will buy it. You know, the fans yeah. will buy it. I know that there's so many Nightmare Before Christmas fans out there, fans of Tim Burton, Danny Elfman, and all the filmmakers yeah. and, and all oh, that. I mean, honestly, I got to tell you, you know, speaking of Danny Elfman, I, yeah. you know, I, I got to spend time with him at his studio when I was writing the book and I interviewed him and they had set up an hour and a half for me to spend with Danny. Uh, talking about the music and his process on how, you know, how he wrote these songs for Nightmare Before Christmas. It turned into more than three hours, Al John, three hours that I hung out with Danny Elfman in his studio and I recorded the whole thing. Uh, and it was just, he was an incredibly nice guy and it was, it was really just, you know, artist to artist conversation and understanding his creative process, you know, and, and I had such a wonderful time with it and, and all of that materials in the book, you know, uh, and, you know, along with all the other fabulous people that were involved with that film. So uh, hopefully someday, you know, maybe it'll be 22 that the Nightmare Before Christmas book comes out. That's awesome. I hope so. I hope so for all the Nightmare Before Christmas fans out there. But we've been waiting for this book, chomping at the bit. So uh, 
hopefully Mr. Shadow, only the shadow knows. Uh, well, maybe, yeah. maybe the shadow CEO will, will be gone by the end of the year. Who okay. knows? Who knows? I mean, who we, knows? Can, we can only hope. We can only hope. I don't know. He might be snatched <laughs> up by Warner brothers at this point. Who knows? He'll be running the DC universe in no time. Uh, you know, and you, you mentioned this too, speaking of books, and this is our last, last tidbit. Um, you've been working on a project regarding Claude Coates. So is there any, any uh, updates on that book perhaps? Yes. So that book is actually uh, it, the, the official title is Claude Coates, Walt Disney's Imagineer, the making of Disneyland from Toad Hall to the haunted mansion and beyond. Yeah. And, and I have to tell you, Al John, I, I'm thrilled with this book. Um, it's 264 pages. It is chock full of photos and artwork that people have never seen before. Oh my. Uh, uh, and there's also, I, I had this book vetted as I do with all my books. I, I get trusted people to read the book and, and, you know, partly for accuracy for, you know, are they uh, entertained by it? All of those things. Right. And it's part of the process of writing a book, but I had um, former Imagineers read the book. I had people that knew Claude Coates read the book and uh, every one of them came back and said, oh my gosh, I didn't know this about Claude or I didn't realize Claude did that, you know? And that was very gratifying. And uh, I also have to say that uh, the book itself is releasing this fall. Uh, and oh, wow. it, it, it is available for pre-order on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, but you can also pre-order an author signed copy. And it's not just signed by me. It's going to be signed by Alan Coates, who he himself is an Imagineer, but he's the son of Claude Coates. Yes. Uh, and, and so the pre-order for the uh, Claude Coates book that's author signed can be done at the old mill press.com. The old mill press.com. I hope you put that in the show notes for people, Yes, but um, they can pre-order their copy. um, And I can guarantee you, you're going to love this book because I I almost, I almost want to say it's an adult picture book. There there are pictures on virtually every single page. Yeah. I I can't wait for this book. I mean, for the uninitiated Claude Coates did everything at Disney did everything. Imagineer, Wet Enterprises. He was an animator, painter. Uh, Imagineer, as Dave said, he worked on everything from the Carousel of Progress to Pirates of the Caribbean to Epcot. I mean, just everything you love about the parks and everything you love about classic Disney. Um, you know, this gentle giant, uh, Claude Coates. Um, and, and I can't and wait. And the one thing, yeah. yeah and the, the one thing I also want to mention is, is the fact that um, this book concentrates on the first 15 years of Disneyland. What, what oh, Tom yeah. Morris, what, what Imagineer Tom Morris calls the golden age of Disneyland. 
and it's really, you know, Claude uh, was plucked by Walt Disney to be one of those original Imagineers, and he worked on the dark rides of uh, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, Peter Pan, uh, the Snow White, uh, Snow White Scary Adventures. Um, he worked on uh, the Submarine Voyage, uh, uh, the Grand Canyon Diorama, Primeval World, uh, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, as we mentioned, The Haunted Mansion, Adventure Through Inner Space. I mean, it goes on and on. <laughs> there's yes. also, there's a chapter in there on a trip he took with Walt uh, to NASA. Uh, in 1965, uh, and some pictures people have never seen before. Uh, there's um, uh, a chapter on uh, a trip that he took with uh, with Disney artist Al Dempster uh, to Japan to do paintings for the United States Air Force. I mean, there's so much stuff in this book, and it's just covering 15 years of the guy's 54-year career. Oh, well. I love, I love this, you know, like you did that 3d Disneyland book, you know, I'm sure this one is going to be a great hit because once again, it's a, like a photo book archive of just this man's career, you know, the early part of the career. And I can't wait. So I will put a link in the show notes so that you can get your pre-order on so you can get it signed, a signed copy. And uh, we look forward to this book being released in the fall. And I'm sure we're going to do a lot of stuff in regards to, uh, some really great anniversaries, you know, uh, surrounding the Disney company here in the fall. So it should be really, really good. Thank you, Dave, for that tidbit. Absolutely. You know, it's my pleasure. I, I look forward to doing this again. Yep, absolutely. And we thank you out there for contributing by writing us your questions for Ask Dave Anything. Your attention, please. Now loading on track number one. For a trip around Walt Disney's Magic Kingdom. Skull Rock Podcast. All aboard. Your main street to the world of Disney. Oh, Dave, thank you for that, man. We're wrapping it up. And, uh, you know, like I say, you know, everybody out there, just don't forget, if you've just stumbled upon this show, feel free to subscribe. Leave us those five-star reviews. And uh, send us those emails, Dave at SkullRockPodcast.com or Aljohn at SkullRockPodcast.com. We'd love to uh, answer your questions on an upcoming show. And speaking of upcoming shows, I know uh, we've got a lot of stuff planned. We do. We've got uh, the great Jerry Reese, uh, animator, story artist, director, producer, theme park show guy. I mean, he's done so much in his career. He's coming up next week uh, on the Skull Rock podcast. Uh, in June, we've got Bruce Lenoyle, who's a voiceover artist and Muppeteer. Ellen Woodbury, animator and sculptor, and towards the end of June, the great Aaron Blaze, animator, director, and wildlife artist. So we've got a we've got a whole bunch of folks coming up. They're they're lining up. Uh, we've got them in the queue, and it's going to be a lot of fun going into the summer and chatting with all of these great people. Absolutely. Once again, feel free to follow us on all the socials as well, Dave. That sounds like a stellar lineup. And we'll leave you with the final words. Hey, as always, peace and love to everybody. Be good out there. Uh, we're coming off of a three-day weekend. You're going to have a short work week. Uh, go out, be kind to people, uh, be kind to everyone. And we look forward to having you back next week. Thank you. 
I'm Al John Go, co-host of the Disney List podcast, as heard on Sorcerer Radio, as well as Skull Rock podcast. Here with my wife, Kristen. Hello. Hello. You are an earmarked agent who books Disney travel vacations for people all the time. Give our listeners a reason why they want to give you a call instead of just booking a trip by themselves. Well, I can do all of the legwork for them. I have expertise. I've been to the Disney parks well over a hundred times. So they've got that knowledge at their hand as well as it saves them time and money. Where can people get in touch with you so that they can book their next Disney cruise, Disney park trip, Adventures by Disney? They can contact me at themeparksandcruises at gmail.com. Skull Rock Podcast is made possible by listeners like you. We'd love to thank Charles, Lindsay, Spencer, and Joshua. To support this podcast to sustain future episodes, visit anchor.fm forward slash Skull Rock Podcast. I'm Kristen Hetzel, vacation planner, world traveler, Disney foodie, and theme park fan. I'm Al John Go. I'm the husband who's also Disney, Star Wars, and Marvel Comics fan. And together, we host a Disney List podcast. Every week, you'll hear us list our favorite things about Disney theme parks, films, shows, travel, Marvel, and Star Wars in a top 10 list, rankings, and more. That's an impressive list. Subscribe to the Disney List podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast platform. Even stream us on Sorcerer Radio at srsounds.com and check out our live shows on Facebook, The Disney List Podcast. Visit thedisneylist.com.